The Vision app is the best place to find a growing range of on-demand audio for the whole family. Your kids or grandkids can listen to the popular radio drama Adventures in Odyssey and two-minute Bible stories called Quick Sticks whenever it suits you. Whether you're in the car for a few minutes or for a longer trip, these two programs will keep the kids entertained. New episodes are added every weekday in the free Vision Christian Media app. If you don't already have the app on your smartphone or tablet, download it now from vision.org.au slash app. Vision.org.au slash app. Vision. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. I was, I was just a child. I was 10. But I remember quite clearly these soldiers coming in with guns and putting my dad in the back of a jeep and driving him away. The way they spoke seemed like um, they were going to kill my dad because that's what they were saying. So as they're driving my father away, I think my father probably prayed his first prayer to God ever. He said, God, if you exist, you've got to help me. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Today, we have a remarkable international one for you. Pastor Luis Cabral was born in Angola and then he had to flee to Portugal with his family when he was only 10 years old because of a communist takeover. He eventually migrated to Australia as an adult. Pastor Luis shares what life was like growing up in a war-torn country and the miraculous way God saved his father's life. All that and more as Pastor Luis Cabral has a chat with Eric Scatterbo in our Melbourne studios. Pastor Luis Cabral, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Eric. It's a real pleasure to be here and with all the listeners. I was born in Africa. I was born in Angola. Angola was a, a Portuguese colony. Portugal had colonies in mm-hmm. different parts of the world, in Brazil and so on. And so I was brought up in Angola at a time where it was great peace. And, and the locals, they were wanting independence. And so independence was granted to the natives of the country. And shortly after that, they went into um, a time of civil war. And unfortunately, a lot of atrocities, a lot of things happened. And and we kind of witnessed some things, although we were small. And, and one of the things that was quite traumatic was one day when uh, these soldiers came into our house and we were just about to have lunch. These soldiers, they came into the house and uh, they were looking for my father. And they said, well, it looks like you're a spy. And my dad said, well, I'm just a common citizen. I... I work for an oil company. I'm, I'm an accountant. What do you mean a spy? Well, you work for a, an American oil company. So Americans are our enemies now. And this was a communist country mm. now. Yeah, I was, I was just a child. I was 10. But I remember quite clearly these soldiers coming in with, with guns and putting my dad in the back of a jeep and driving him away. And, wow. um, and the way they spoke seemed like um, they were going to kill my dad because that's what they were saying. So as they're driving my father away... We didn't know Jesus. We weren't Christians. We didn't know who to call for help. We were desperate. I remember the desperation of my mother and some of my relatives that were there that day. And um, as my father was taken away in the back of this chip, I think my father probably prayed his first prayer to God ever. Mm. He said, God, if you exist, you've got to help me. I'm young. I've got a young family. Please, if, if you're out there, if you really exist, please help me. And uh, these soldiers, they never said a word. They did a U-turn. And probably 20 minutes later, I saw my father coming back into the house. Wow. And uh, I remember the first words my, my father said as he was walking into the house were, there has to be God in heaven. Wow. And my mother hugged him and 
and said, well, what happened? What happened? He, he said, well, I was in the back of this Jeep and, and I said, God, if you exist, you've got to help me. If, if you're out there, if, if there's something out there, please help me. And believe it or not, these soldiers, they never said a word. They just came back and here I am. And from that point onwards, they, I remember my father started talking about God. He said, someone help me that day. I've mm. got to find this God. Mm. And I remember my mother saying something like, uh, well, there's so many so-called gods in the world, so many religions in the world, so many churches. I mean, how will we ever find God? And I remember my father saying, well, I don't know, but we will find him. We will find him. And uh, shortly after that conversation, I remember we finished lunch and my mother finished washing the dishes and so on. And and my dad said, we have to leave because there's no assurance that these people will not come back. And by oh, then, yeah, if this happened once, absolutely. it could be a less friendly group that picks him up next time. Absolutely. And the country was in civil war. Mm, it was in yeah, chaos. Yeah. I mean, we went to sleep every night at the sound of gunshots and things wow, exploding. Wow, this is your childhood. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. I said that we were not Christians. And, and the only person that was remotely Christian in our family was my grandmother. Hmm. And I remember my grandmother. There's always a praying grandmother, isn't there? A lot of times. <laughs> she was, she was. <laughs> and she said, son, you have to learn this prayer. Mm. And she taught me the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. And I remember clearly one day in the morning walking to the school. And suddenly the Lord's Prayer came to my mind. And mm. I was not a Christian. I didn't have a yeah. relationship with God. I didn't know who God was. But the seeds had been planted. But suddenly, yeah. And, and that she hadn't. She had me memorize the Lord's mm-hmm. Prayer. Yeah, yeah. And suddenly I just started whispering just under my breath, the Lord's Prayer. Just, I don't even know. I didn't even know why. Mm. And that day walking to the school, a grenade exploded not far from where I was. Wow. And the impact was such that I was actually thrown backwards and I landed on my back. And I remember looking up and thinking, what, what has just happened? Mm. And for many days after that, thinking whether... Maybe the God of that prayer <laughs> had actually uh, reminded me of that prayer so mm-hmm. that, and, and something had happened and my life had been spared. Yeah. And I, I remember I was a little child. I was 10, but I, I remember that. That was very, very powerful. But going back to my earlier so story. So this was before, your experience with the grenade was before your father's experience. Yes, exactly. In the Jeep. We, within that, that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but just before. And then this happened, and and I remember my dad then went to the airport, and he said he came back from the airport, and he said, "Well, there's one plane, a Russian mm-hmm. airplane. That's the only plane that's going to be leaving out of that airport today, and I'm not going to wait for these people to come back and probably change their mind and mm-hmm. take me yeah. back to wherever yeah. they were going to take me. So we are we're leaving right now, and we left with the clothes on our bodies. And well, the only problem is, and uh, I'm thinking in my mind is, well, where do you go? Exactly. <laughs> well, we always thought of the country of our ancestors, Portugal. Which you had never been to. Never. And my mom had never been to. She mm. was born in, in Angola as well. But my, that's your heritage. Yeah, absolutely. So there was this Russian aircraft about to leave. So we went to the airport. And I remember asking my dad as we were walking in tarmac towards the, the plane and saying, Dad, is, is so we're not coming back. My dad said, most likely we will never come back. And... Um, and I remember crying and and thinking, well, uh, what will happen to our lives? And we boarded the plane, and about two hours into the flight, one of the engines stopped. Oh, wow. And 
suddenly we hear a voice from the cockpit saying we're going to have to land in the country of Dakar, the country of Senegal, Dakar. It's going to be an emergency landing, so please follow all the instructions of the... Oh, wow, this is not starting <laughs> off real good. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. And again, we two hours into the flight, we were making an emergency landing in Dakar Airport in mm. Senegal. We Are stayed. they a friendly country? I don't know. What, what year was this? Well, this was 1974. Mm-hmm. So we landed and they managed to fix the plane and we got up and eventually we reached Portugal. Okay, so it went okay. Just <laughs> it a little scary okay. there for a while. It went okay. <laughs> but when we got to Portugal, my dad started again talking about God because he said, well, there has to be something out there. Mm. Because this God, he for sure, he, he saved my life. He helped me with those soldiers. And again, he saved our lives again a second time because that plane could have gone down. We could have died. And and we made it to Portugal. And so for a few years, my dad started buying books from different religions trying mm. to find so God. he was on a spiritual quest, I guess. Absolutely. My mother was not quite in, on the same page as, as my dad, but my dad kept talking about God. She would say, well, I'm sure there's got to be a force out there, something, but how will in we personal, ever know? Yeah. And how will we ever find who this God is? Mm. And so my father was, uh, he started reading books from one religion, from another religion, and there was always something in him that would say, would say well, maybe not this one, maybe mm. not that one. And one day someone gave him even the Quran and mm. started reading the Quran. And, and then one of our neighbors one day came along and gave my father a Bible. And she made my dad promise that he would read the Bible. And this neighbor, she was, um, she was praying us into the kingdom. This neighbor was a, a praying neighbor. We would walk past her house and we would often hear her prayer. Mm. Praying. Actually, she had a nickname. We used to call her the Beast. The Beast? <laughs> the Beast. Why? Because she would come and knock at our house and she would always tell us about the Antichrist and the Beast. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, uh. She became known as the Beast. <laughs> the Beast. So she would come and knock at our door and my mom would say, who's that? And we would say, it's, it's the Beast, mom. <laughs> <laughs> this is not like somebody who's starting off with a lot of uh, credibility, I guess you could say. No, I mean, we would... Not ideal. Not ideal. I mean, we, we she would tell us all about the Antichrist even before we Learned found out who Christ. the Christ was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, gotta get the cart before the horse, I guess you could say. But she was a praying woman, mm-hmm. and in her simple way, she was trying to get us into the kingdom of God. You're listening to The Story... Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with Pastor Luis Cabral about his childhood growing up in Angola and then later in Portugal. We'll hear more of his story when we return. The Story If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401-132-888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're continuing with Eric Scadabo chatting with Pastor Luis Cabral about his childhood growing up in Angola and Portugal. Before the break, we heard how Luis's father was on a spiritual quest to find God and how a praying neighbour gave him a Bible. Now, here's more of Luis's story. One day, you know, my dad started reading the Bible and he was just fascinated with the Bible. He started reading it like any book mm-hmm. from, from the beginning. And started reading about the first couple that came into the world, Adam and Eve, and mm. 
My dad was puzzled that even after they had failed, that God still came and looked for them. And he said, I think that's the God I'm looking for. Hmm. Because my dad was conscious of his own failings. I like that. Even after they failed, God still came looking for them. Absolutely. That's profound. Yes. And my dad was fascinated by that thought. Yeah. Because he knew that whoever this God was, wherever he was, that for sure there was not enough goodness in him that would deserve being saved or mm-hmm. that God, yeah. this God would even think of him. Yeah. Now we know David said, you know, what is man that you're mindful of him or the mm-hmm. son of man that you visit him? Mm-hmm. So there, there was this sense. And he said, well, I think this is the God I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And as he just kept reading through Genesis and one day, it was a Sunday, and he said, you know what? Today we're going to talk to God. He said that to the whole family. I'm going to find this God. And I'm, I'm so excited about this book, the Bible. And from now on, everything that I see in this book, I will do it because I want to find this God. So, so he's not going to church or anything? He's just doing this all on his nothing. own? Nothing. Uh, just has uh, the beast next door. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So there was a mountain not far from where we lived. And he said, you know what? We're going we're gonna to go up this mountain. And we, when we get it right up to the top, we will talk to God. Hmm. And I remember now I was 18. You know, eight years had passed since yeah. our experience in Africa. So he had been searching all these years? He had been searching. Yeah. And I said, Father, but why going up a mountain? You know, people go to temples or churches or... Surely that would be a more spiritual place. Yes. My father said, I don't know, but every time these people would talk to God in the Bible, they would always go up some mountain. They would always go somewhere. Yeah, Yeah, in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament Mm -hmm. to talk to God. So Moses, yeah. Absolutely. So he was was still there in in Genesis. Mm -hmm. Um, And he said, well, we're going to go up the mountain. So we went and I remember... Going up this mountain. What a childlike faith that your dad had at <laughs> Absolutely. that time. Yeah, that's beautiful. It was it was serious about God. And, mm-hmm. and there was a simplicity and a childlike yeah. Yeah, that's great. quest in him and faith. So as we were going up, I just started having these thoughts of, of a movie we had seen. And I said, Dad, is this, is this the movie where there's a, a man with white beard and he's going up this mountain <laughs> and there's an altar where he sacrifices his son or something like that. My dad said, that's exactly like in the movie. That's what I've been reading. And that's not looking too good for you. <laughs> it's not because I'm the firstborn and I've got three sisters. And, uh, and I'm thinking, if there was going to be any sacrifice. <laughs> you know, look, if there was any lambs like, around, were you? <laughs> yeah, I'm sort of wondering, did he bring his pocket knife or oh, boy. What? Is he going to tie me to the altar? I know, I know he's getting into this whole Genesis thing, but he could be taking it too far. Absolutely. And he said, he said, whatever I see in this Bible, I will do it because oh, no. I want to find God. So my dad said, yes, that's right. And once we get up to the top, we will build an altar. Oh, boy. And I said, I said, dad, what's even an altar? He said, I don't know. Hey, every time they talk to God, they would always go up, go up some mountain, would build an altar. And make a sacrifice. And make a sacrifice. <laughs> So I'm, this is not looking too good for me, and so we're going up this mountain, and we, when we get up to the top, he said, well, let's, let's find stones, let's pile them all up, that's what an altar is. And you're looking for the knife. I'm, I'm looking for the <laughs> knife, and I'm thinking, well, the moment the old man pulls out his pocket knife. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. I'm... So he said, okay, let's all just close our eyes, we're going to talk to God now. Of course, mm. I didn't close my eyes because I was expecting <laughs> for the next... For understandable reasons, yes. <laughs> and I'll never forget this moment where my dad, he just looked up and he said these words. He said, God, 
Who are you? Hmm. I want to know you. Reveal yourself to us. And he said, I give you my life, my family. Reveal yourself to us. These were his exact words. I never forgot. I was now 18. Hmm. And then once my dad said those words, he said, okay, we've, I guess we've talked to God. So let's go. That was it. <laughs> that was it. You were, you were very relieved. <laughs> I was, I was happy that uh, after all, there maybe was a God. Hmm. <laughs> and I, and uh, that probably saved my life that day. And hmm. my dad didn't take it all the way through in his quest <laughs> to find God. But we went down, and I never thought, that's it. I, I thought, well, there was a good walk today. Mm. We went for a walk. We used to go up mountains. We loved tramping. We, we loved being out in nature, and we, we loved that. And, and we had done that many times. But this mm. time was different because yeah, yeah. we went up there to talk to God. Well, the following morning, my father comes to us and says at breakfast, says, well, now I know. Now I know what got to follow. And he said, now we're Christians. I said, Dad, we're Christians? What do you mean we're Christians? He said, Last night, I had a dream. I was up on top of that mountain. And in the dream, I was talking to him. And I saw right from the sun, I saw a face that I think was Jesus Mm. speaking to me and saying, I and the Father, we are one. Mm. My dad was still there in Genesis. He hadn't yet got to John where that's written. So my father was no way he could have known that. We weren't brought up around sort of Christian things. So we... We had never read a Bible, had never seen the Bible. And he said, now I know that Jesus is the one we're going to follow. And I said to my father, well, that's wonderful, but what does that look like? Are we going to follow Jesus, but uh, we're Christians. What what does that even Mm, entail? What's that all about? My father said, I don't know, but I'll keep searching. I'll keep reading. I'll I'll keep you posted. Wow, he's determined. He's determined. In less than two weeks, for the first time ever in the little town where we're living, a man came from Canada, set up a tent, and for two weeks, he preached about Jesus. Now, our neighbor invited my mom and dad and my family to come to that meeting, to the tent meetings, mm-hmm. and they heard about Jesus. And for that whole two weeks of preaching, the only people that responded to the appeals of these evangelists, I remember a skinny evangelist with a funny accent <laughs> and preaching a very, in, in a very powerful way uh, about Jesus. I only went to the meetings once, but I remember this man. And, uh, and he preached very convincingly. And of all the days of, of really passionate preaching, he must have felt very discouraged because only one family hmm. responded to his appeals, and hmm. that was my family. And looking back now, I think, I don't know who he was still up to this day, but I think he must have probably felt like a failure all mm. those days of preaching and only one family came to Christ. Mm. But I think of the love of God and how God heard the sincere prayer of that man up on top of that mountain. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and he dislodged someone from another country to travel thousands of miles across the sea to come to that little town and set up a tent so that this one man could have Jesus preached to him and that he could come into a saving knowledge of Jesus and he would come to a more accurate picture mm-hmm. of what yeah. salvation is all about. And that's how much God loves. I mean, there may be someone right now out mm-hmm. there listening mm-hmm. to this program is perhaps away from God or mm-hmm. or on a quest. And, and I want that person to know that 
God will move heaven and earth, mm-hmm. man and angels, whatever it takes, so that each one person that is sincere before him will come to the full knowledge of who he is. And to that person out there, I would like to say that God loves you, that God has a plan for your life. And if you reach out to him, he's reaching out to you right now and he wants to come into your life. And perhaps you're listening and you want to open your heart to him. That's what my dad did. He opened his heart to Jesus. And if you do that in sincerity, he will come in. Amen. Well, in a sense, your dad prayed the agnostics prayer or, you know, I don't know who you are, God, but if you're there, show yourself to me. And God showed up. He did. He did. What about for you, though? What was happening in your heart? Well, what was happening in my heart was a bit different. I did go once to the tent meeting. I wasn't seeking. I did it just because my mom said they have drums in that tent. (laughs) (laughs) Big spiritual reason to want to be there. (laughs) They said, you've never, if you think that church is a dark place, lit with candles, with an organ playing Mm. in the background. My my mom said, you know what? Church is actually a a fun place. You you need to come and hear this man Mm. and be part of that experience. I said, there's no way. I mean, I'm not interested in religion. She said, they even have drums and electric drums. guitars. I said, does that happen in a church? I said, she said, yes, come. And I went, I went just to see the drums and see the, and, and, you know, I got there so late that, um, the worship side of thing had, had finished. And oh, you missed the worship. I missed the worship. Mm-hmm. I missed the drums. I saw there were drums there. So I thought, you saw them, but you didn't get to hear them. <laughs> my mom was right. There are drums in this church. It was a tent, actually. But I, I went in and I listened to the man and, I, it's interesting how his words, I can still hear him in my brain. I mean, he's still saying that you're one step away. I can hear his message. You're one step away, one prayer away, one breath away of a relationship with God. And he was so compelling, but I was just not in that, that place, I guess. I wasn't mm. seeking. Mm-hmm. I was, yep. I had just gone into university. I had started my law degree. I thought I knew a lot. <laughs> But I knew everything. Hmm. I was 18. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> what 18-year-old doesn't think they know everything? Absolutely. And uh, and I, I'm now coming home, and uh, I see my dad with his Bible open. Uh, but I have to confess that I now started getting a little bit irritated with the way he was talking about God at mm-hmm. home all the time. Yeah. Not only that, but opening his Bible instead of opening his newspaper, <laughs> going through the newspaper mm. like he used to. He's now opening his Bible every day and reading his Bible and reading portions of the Bible out loud and, and telling us about things that are happening because by now they found a, a little church they're attending and he's telling us about things that are happening mm. in this little church and how... So he's just getting into this deeper and deeper. Yeah, and, and I'm thinking, well, this is amazing, but maybe it's not for me. And my father talking about how his addiction to cigarettes had come to an end and i'm thinking well he's just trying hard maybe to quit cigarettes and he's thinking that god is doing it Hmm. let me wait and see but suddenly he's not craving cigarettes is free from this addiction i'm thinking well maybe there's something there but Hmm. i was still not yet ready for that i wanted a bit of distance from that but how could i have distance my dad is now reading Hmm. out loud the bible at home and many times I remember coming home from university and just going into my room and uh, basically just cranking up the, the music in my stereo at, at, you know, in my room because I didn't want to hear my dad reading his Bible out loud. Mm. Reading, so at you this know, point, it sounds like you're really not interested. Not interested. We're no. going to have to stop you right there because unfortunately we've run out of time for this part one of our conversation. I don't know how many we'll have, but with part one, we'll have to end right here. Uh, wonderful 
way that God worked in the lives of your family and every one of your family members. We'll find out more because he eventually works in your life, being a pastor and everything. So we'll have you back with us again next time. For sure. Pleasure. That was part one of Eric Scadabo's two-part conversation with Pastor Luis Cabral, who was born in Angola and then had to flee to Portugal with his family. At this point in the story, Luis's father has become a Christian, but Luis isn't as interested in spiritual matters. We'll find out how all that turns around next time and how he eventually becomes involved in ministry and migrates to Australia. But before we go, we'll end with this verse from Jeremiah that relates to Luis's father's life. The Lord said, You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you. And that, of course, is exactly what happened in Luis's father's life. Well, thanks for joining us for part one of Luis's story. Until next time, when we'll hear part two, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I was convinced that there was something powerful about the words of this book that were different from words of other books that I had read. So the next day, my dad came and gave me this Bible. And this time, I was fully convinced about the reality of God. Of course, I knew that I had just had some kind of an experience, but I I wanted more. I wanted to know this God. Pastor Luis Cabral joins us once again to share more of his incredible life journey. After fleeing with his family from Angola to Portugal, Luis is now getting tired of hearing his father read the Bible out loud in their home. We'll find out how God gets a hold of his heart next time. The story. story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.